Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 134th episode of the Socially Distanced Podcast, the flagship podcast of thepopbreak.com. My name is Bill Bodkin, and I will be your host for this episode, where we'll be talking about the number one movie in the entire world, the record-breaking Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Before I introduce my lovely cadre of of guests and pop culture commentators, let's just talk about the upcoming schedule for Socially Distanced. Next week, don't know if you know it or not, because uh, I don't know where time has gone, but again, as True Detective told us, time is a flat circle. Um, It's Thanksgiving, so we are taking the week off. There's no way we're going to be able to rush and do a podcast and edit it in time. And besides, are you really going to listen to it on your week off? No, you're not. So what's going to happen is we're taking the week off in the week of December 2nd. Yes, my birthday week, we are going to be doing a dual episode about the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special and and or season one, the Star Wars show you actually should be watching. Um, Following that, we'll be talking about the Willow premiere because we can't do anything that is in Disney Plus. And then we'll be ending the year with a triple threat of holiday specials. The first holiday special will be reviewing the vintage 1978 Star Wars holiday special that someone has in HD on YouTube. That person should be canonized a saint immediately or condemned to hell, whichever one you prefer. Uh, Following that, we are going to be doing uh, our podcast editor, Alex Marcus, has never watched the movie Die Hard. That has to be changed. As a man who has seen thousands of films, that has to change because that is an ultimate Christmas movie. And unless a certain surprise I have up my sleeve doesn't come through, if it does come through, it'd be pretty rad. Uh, But if it doesn't come through, we will be doing our first ever best of 2022 episode. Now that that's all out of the way, I am flying solo this week. Of course, Al Manorino still on paternity leave, met his young daughter Uh, over the weekend. She, yes, the young Scarlet will be taking over Westview, New Jersey any day soon. Uh, and as for Amanda Rivas, she is on a personal leave for the next two weeks just due to holidays and traveling. She's got to go see her boyfriend's family. So, hey, man, can't begrudge that. She'll be back in full force for our after Thanksgiving episode. Now, let's get on to our guests as my ridiculous intro wraps up. First, we have a debut. She just made her actual writing debut on thepopbreak.com earlier in October. You may have checked her out uh, on her reviews of The Good Nurse, of Enola Holmes 2, and Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. As, as this site started out of New Brunswick, founded by two Rutgers University alums who worked for the Daily Targum and modeled the entire site after the entertainment magazine we both ran at one point, uh, because we don't want to grow up, Um she, I always love having Rutgers students and writers joining us, and this uh, this is actually going to be, outside of my daughter, one of the youngest writers we've ever had on Socially Distance, or glad to have her introducing all the way from the banks of the Raritan, Ninoshka Vasquez Suazo. Welcome to the podcast, dude. Thank you. I'm excited. We're, 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 you know what, if you come, if you hopefully you're excited by the end of this podcast and we can have you back. (laughs) If not, we understand it's, it's us. And of course, this person, he is no stranger to socially distanced. Last time we talked to him, we were talking about Vince McMahon no longer being in charge of WWE. 
Um, you may know him as a five tool player who is not Anthony Bowens. He is also the golden star of all forms of journalism. Check him out as the television and film writer for Substream magazine and maybe just maybe other great places in the future. Knock on wood. He is the golden star. Marjani Rawls. Welcome back, my friend. That's good to be back with you. Great people. Um, right before the holidays talking about Wakanda forever, which a little heavy, but um, I think that's all phase four of Oh, don't worry. We'll be talking about all the tissues that phase four brought out. And if this was the best film to end phase four on now, before we get into everything, uh, let's start talking about black Panther in general. Uh, let's get our, everyone's thoughts on the first film universally beloved film. I've talked about this on the bill versus the MCU podcast, which if you're just joining us on for socially distanced for the first time, uh, I never finished the MCU originally. So in the span of 11 months, uh, I watched every movie and every TV show again, and boy, it was a lot, but it was a hell of a lot of fun. This one, it was the last Marvel movie I actually saw in theaters. I saw it on St. Patrick's day. Yeah. You can imagine my state of mind that day. But it was a sold out theater a month and change afterwards. It was an amazing film experience. Absolutely loved this film. And every rewatch, you always like kind of have that feeling of is it can it still hold that magic? The answer to me is yes. Just showed it to my daughter last week because she was like, I want to see Wakanda forever. I'm like, well, let's get you through Black Panther first. Loved it. Two of her top five Marvel characters of all time, Shuri and Okoye. So listen. It holds up. Ninochka, you are you are new to the site. You're new to the world of Pop Break. Would love to get your thoughts when you first saw it and how you feel about the film today. Um, well, when I first saw it, I was in high school. Um, so me and my friends went, and we were all just really excited because we're all really big Marvel nerds. Mm -hmm. And obviously it was revolutionary because of the representation in it that everyone was so excited about, but also you know, Chadwick Boseman appearing in Civil War when we first saw Black Panther, I think just made everyone more excited to see what he was capable of in his solo movie. And I really loved it. I think I watched it like three times when it first came out. It was insane. Well, so I do have, since you're a big Marvel fan, I need to know what is your number one Marvel movie of all time? And if it's Black Panther, what's your number two movie? Uh, my number one is Captain America, the first Avenger. Wow. All right. I was thinking you were going to say Winter Soldier. Now I'd like to know why is that the number one? I, I love all like the first origin movies of every superhero. I think they hold such great foundations for not just their solo movies, but appearances in other people's movies or like the Avengers movies. And with first Avenger, there was just something about the nostalgia in it that I really loved. And it set him up for so much potential in like future films that got me really excited. And also Agent Carter. I love her. Man, so. <laughs> man I felt bad. For, I feel bad for you when you saw the multiverse of madness. Uh, not yeah. if you're not if you're a black bolt fan that feared. <laughs> much worse i would say it fared worse for mr fantastic but there were two other fantastic four movies that we three that we will not discuss anytime mm -hmm. soon for me listen 
uh, all those movies are great. I, I would say Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Uh, you want to make Bill Bodkin cry, throw in a good dad storyline. Oh, tears. Uh, Yondu, Kurt Russell. And of course, you base the entire thing around a one-hit wonder, Brandy. That was written by a New Brunswick-based band who used to live behind the student center called Looking Glass. And for me, that popped me more than anything. So yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Now, Marjani, I think you wrote about Black Panther for the site or have written about it a number of times. We've talked about it in the past. Your relationship with Black Panther. And I also would like to know your number one Marvel movie just for just for the old shits and giggles. I'm going to go, well, my number one Marvel movie, kind of like Noshka said, is probably in the early days. And I'm going to go with Iron Man. Because it was the one that was number one. It was the one. It was the one that started it all. Robert Downey Jr. Um, before we knew what MCU was, and seeing that first credit scene with Nick Fury, you're like, "What? Like, there's going to be future movies and, and things? Like, what? What's going on?" The last time you saw Nick Fury, it was David Hasselhoff in a made-for-TV made movie. Yeah. And that's yeah. a, that's that's a fact for anyone who doesn't know that 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 happened and it was weird and we were all there. Well, Ninoshka, I don't know if you're born, but it was weird and I was there for sure. Yeah, and I I, I don't know, like just overall, I think Tony's whole character arc throughout the whole MCU is like super underrated. Like his like kind of redemption story with like you know the Sokovia Accords, then his sacrifice again. I think is beautiful. Um, my relationship with Black Panther, uh, obviously, I was excited to see like him and Civil War and the whole world of Wakanda. You're like, what? Wakanda's about to be in the MCU? How are they going to do this? And I remember specifically before the movie came out, like Marvel had like come off these this run of movies like Spider-Man Homecoming, Thor Ragnarok, like. Civil War, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Doctor Strange was right before there. And like seeing previews and I, I think a friend that I was working with at the time, like we were talking about going to like uh, one of like a late screening because a bunch of them sold out. And I'm like, what? And I remember going to the theater like opening night and seeing people of all generations in the theater for Black Panther. Yeah. And like just to see like a bunch of like young black boys and black girls like looking up to Okoye and Trudy and and uh Ashiri and T'Challa and Mbaku like it was amazing like it was just amazing to see seeing all like African cultures and and like this big beautiful world of Wakanda like in the MCU and developed like it meant a lot and that's what kind of like ropes into this movie. Let's let's jump right into this movie. The obviously we know it, that Chadwick Boseman tragically passes away before this film even starts production. I mean, it was it was written. There was a, a first a first script that was written, and obviously um, we none of us knew until when it happened really that Chadwick Boseman passed from cancer, and it was a it was a pretty. I can't say there was a nor should there have been a dry eye in the room for many a days. And it was when even remember when Disney dropped that, um, which we now saw in the film, the opening Marvel scroll, I'll call scroll, I'll call it how emotional that was just to see it online was as absolutely flooring. But the one question everyone had 
and it was I think it was a good discussion to have is should T'Challa be recast? And that's even something that's trending on Twitter to this day. Hashtag recast T'Challa. And it's a, it's a debate that's going on. I'd love to get your guys thoughts on the decision Ryan Coogler and company decided to not recast T'Challa and to go forward with who we'll get into as the Black Panther. By the way, spoiler alerts, if you haven't seen Wakanda forever, we're getting into spoilers, that they made Shuri Black Panther. Um, so, Marjani, I'm going to start back with you. The decision not to recast T'Challa, your thoughts on that? I think that you, I think that you eventually have, have to. Yes. Um, like and going into like spoilers, you know, there's a lineage that happens. The character is way too important. The, the character is way too important in the Marvel universe and also to just African Americans and people of color to just sit on the sidelines. Um, but for this film, I don't think that it was really applicable to recast him yet. I think that in this whole in in the whole kind of ecosystem of phase four, it's about grief. Right. It's about how it, not only how you know these characters are dealing with grief, losing teammates, loved ones, coming back from the snap into a world that like is foreign because people have been living five years as, as these people have never come back like borders being broken i think that like wakanda forever was not only a collection of grief from a mcu sense but also from everything that we've lost in the past two years you know like chadwick boseman passed away august of 2020 like we were in the in the thick of you know COVID, losing people like four thousand people a day um so I mean, you know, I was reading a lot with like with you know Feige and Ryan Coogler's like thoughts of it, and I think that just to recast Chadwick in terms of this film would kind of been the wrong thing. I think you have to honor him and honor what he's given to the MCU and kind of what he would have given to the role. Because like one of the things that I'm sad about is that like he would have been one of the pillars of like the MCU going forward, yeah. you know, and you could tell like throughout all these projects and the film that he's sorely missed. So I think they did the right thing and just kind of let it breathe a little bit. You know, I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, no, I agree. I feel like for this film, it was the right call to not recast him. Obviously, from an audience standpoint, like it's not just the first Black Panther you're thinking about. It's Black Panther in Civil War, it's Black Panther in, event, in The Last Two Avengers. And it's just the effect Chadwick had as the Black Panther within the MCU and to audiences was just so big that recasting him just didn't seem like the right thing to do for this film. But also, as mentioned, you know, with the lineage that's exposed at the end of Wakanda Forever, it does give Marvel the opportunity to possibly bring someone new in to fill that character void. But at the same time, I feel like Chadwick's legacy and involvement with this film and with the MCU is just too important and too valued to have recasted it. 
I think it would have been a terrible optic from a business standpoint that you immediately recast this film with someone who you pretty much said was going to be the future of Marvel. And just to recast it, I think I think a lot of us would have had a bad taste in our mouth. Like I've been like, wow, this feels like and I'm not saying this is true, but the optic would have been like, wow, this is a, they're just going for money here. This is just this is they're just going for the box office. They're not going. For, they don't care about Chadwick's memory, which is not would not be true. But because you know, like Ryan Coogler has said, he almost retired from filmmaking because of Chadwick's laws. I mean, and Ryan Coogler is in my opinion, uh, and I've only seen the Black Panther movies. I have not seen any of the Creed movies. I haven't seen anything else he's done. Seeing those two movies, he's one of the best directors we have in modern American filmmaking. Like, hands down. The fact he could make this movie after everything that happened and to be this good is a testament, I think, to his his work as a director. But besides the point, it's a terrible look for that because it looks very callous. It looks very financial. and. But thinking about it, like you guys said, we have this lineage. We're in a multiverse saga. There are rumors that former cast members could be coming back. So who's to say we can't run into a T'Challa five years down the road from another meta, from another timeline? And he's grown, and he is who we found out who this character was at the end of the movie. I mean, that wouldn't be a bad thing, because I think we'd all kind of be you know, given the time, you know, given the, our time to heal as audience members, I think that wouldn't be the worst thing. Uh, Marjani or Ninoshka, if you think that would be the worst thing, please disagree with me. But I think like you could do it, but you don't have to. You have that option. No, I, I don't. I agree with you. Like, I don't think that like we definitely needed this movie because like you, you got to think about how we started in phase four. Like we started with WandaVision. We started with a woman who created an entire town as her grieving process from losing the love of her life. And then a mirage of a family that she, that may not even be real, that she's still, that she's like that, you know, if you look at Dr. Strange, you know, multiverse match, she's still broken up about that. Yeah. So like, I don't, you know, other than like, you know, maybe she Hulk, and a little bit of Miss Marvel, you can argue there's some loss there. Like it's been rough in the you know phase four. Like Hawkeye is broken. Like everybody is broken, and and the ultimate culmination of that is Wakanda forever. So like you know I agree with both both of you. Like it just would have been, and you would have set up that actor to get destroyed. If you if oh. you were like if they would, I it's the new T'Challa and people are like what you know yeah what I mean? yeah definitely this isn't this isn't like you know we've got a new James Bond because the old James Bond's contract is up this is a guy who we all loved in the role who wasn't going to leave the role passed away so it's a big difference it's a big big difference but let's talk let's get to that oh let's get to the loss that we keep talking about in wakanda forever i want to know how you guys felt about that opening scene because i was actually thrown off one i was sitting in the front row row of a dolby surround sound theater with our podcast editor alex marcus so i was a little thrown off by the whole thing in the beginning where we have a black screen and then we hear voices and then we immediately cut to essentially Shuri trying to save T'Challa's life off screen. And then we transition to she cannot save him. 
And then we have this funeral, which is a celebration of life, but also we mourn a great loss. This is how we kick off the beginning of this major Marvel film. Tell me about your thoughts and emotions going through that very intense opening sequence, Nanoshka. I I knew it was coming. Like I knew right. it was going to be in there at some point. I just didn't think it'd be just right off the bat. But mm. at the same time, I feel like it was appropriately placed in a way where you saw the loss and the grief that the characters even just the actors felt with Chadwick's passing and T'Challa's passing that set up for the rest of the film but also it was it was interesting how it kind of paralleled because no one knew Chadwick had cancer like he didn't talk about it and here you have Shuri like scrambling around her lab trying to save her brother from this mystery illness that she can't save him from and I think that parallel of like no one knew this was happening with Chadwick and now T'Challa is dying because of this mystery illness was very emotional and then obviously you see Shuri and the Queen like break down and it's just like crap like I literally started tearing up within the first two minutes of the movie I was like I can't do this but then you know I think I literally said the same thing yeah, I like, I, no, literally, I went with my room and I was like, I'm already crying. And the movie just started. But and then the funeral obviously was beautiful, but also so emotional because you know that those actors aren't just acting because they lost a someone who was important to them just as much as the MCU lost a character. So it was it was emotional. Definitely. Definitely. The emotion the actors go through, I think, in the opening and closing scenes really almost felt documentary like especially yeah. the closing scene didn't even feel like we were watching Wakanda forever it was like we were watching two actresses on a beach together talking that's how mm-hmm. I felt but we'll get into that a little bit later but yeah I I openly cried multiple times during this film I'm never afraid to admit when I cry I'm Irish I'm emotional this is what I do um but Marjani I want to get your thoughts on just the emotions going through you especially since we were we go from a very emotional Marvel scroll into an immediate, intense, like almost shocking to the system, not to quote a, <laughs> the Undisputed Era, uh, but it just like, it, like immediate shock of, whoa, we're in this now. We're in like this moment of death here. Oh, man. <clears throat> so I, I've seen, I saw the movie twice. As of I. And in each screening, the theater was completely quiet. Yeah. Like you can hear a pin drop. And I, I had no idea like how they were going to play it, like how they're going to get T'Challa off screen. And it's so sad for Shuri's character because she's like one of the most, the smartest people in this universe. Yes. And do you think about what happened in the last, you know, last movie where Killmonger destroys all the herbs and she's trying to like make a new one. And, and, you know, like, she's like, I'm trying to do everything I can. And like, meanwhile, people are tugging at her saying like, maybe you should just spend the last few moments with him and just say like, Oh, she's always dead. And then, you know, that Marvel fanfare and for it to be silent, like that was something because like it, 
the Marvel fanfare is like when you hear it, it's like, yeah, oh boy, like new, like new Marvel, like you know, Thor: Love and Thunder had like the '80s, like rock version of it. Like, don't when you don't get me started. I could, I could just rant about Thor: Love and Thunder <laughs> and how much I love this movie for like uh, two hours, and I have for multiple podcasts. So when you, yeah, when you like see it, and then you see like the special one that they made for Chadwick, because they play it, you know, the fanfare of like dun 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 dun, and it's just silent. Literally heard like sniffles and like somebody near me was bawling, crying, and like it's just heavy. And even though in the funeral scene, like there's the African cultures like celebration and wearing white and everything that nature, it's just like, ah man, like this is like I know we have to start the film like this, but like ah no, like it was like no, he's really gone. Like, you know what I mean? Like the pandemic felt like time feels so surreal now, but it was like the kind of like the nail of like, nah, Chavez, Chavez is not coming back. Like this child is not coming back. It was a shock. I'll post this one. Just thinking about what you were saying is we start with the shock and then this is how the character journey is here. But it's also, I feel like, the journey for the audience, because we have to now, we we have to come to grips with the fact that we're never going to see Chadwick again, that we are going to get a new Black Panther, but we also have to go on this, watch Shuri's journey, and that journey is not the easiest journey to watch, because of Shuri's vengeance and her trying to process the grief, and then that and her projecting it and fighting who I'm going to talk about next Namor. We get a character. I feel very justified because I said this years ago, when are they going to bring the Submariner in? And everyone's like, you're dumb. No one's going to want to see a character with wings on their ankles. Guess what? Best character in Marvel. All of you guys who said I couldn't do it. Guess my butt. So, um, you know, sometimes dad's going to be right. So let's talk about Namor, and then we're going to get back. Don't worry. We'll get back into more serious stuff very shortly. Um, Did you guys ever, like, I've, you know, I've, you know, collected, you know, Al hates when I say this, but I collected the Marvel cards. I had Namor. I, you know, I had the Avengers comic books. He seemed like almost, like I said, I wanted him there, but many times it felt like he was the unfilmable character. He's kind of like Aquaman, and Jason Momoa is pretty great as Aquaman, so how are you going to make him special? Did you guys, um, or Johnny, did you ever think, did you ever think we were going to, outside of when they announced it for Wakanda Forever, did you ever think we were actually going to get Namor in the MCU? Despite well, him being a, a pillar of the MCU forever. Well, there were like two complications to that. One, rights, is, rights issues. Right. He That's and right. Hulk had like these like complicated rights issues. Like Hulk, I'm not sure if it's resolved now, but like, you know, uh, Disney can't do anything without Universal if they want to do a solo movie. So that's why he's in a bunch of ensemble movies and then like yeah, she's yeah. things of that nature. And then like it was complicated with Namor because his rights were owned by somebody else. And I, I guess they worked that out. And it's the thing that you just said that like Aquaman is already out. Like, you know, we've seen the Jason Momoa um iteration of Aquaman and his own movies, uh, presumably in the next solo movie that got pushed back a year and a bunch of like uh, 
you know, Peacemaker and uh, a couple Justice League movies. So um, I don't, I didn't think so, but it's the way that Ryan Coogler and the Marvel Universe flipped this character to fit the narrative that is in Black Panther, which is kind of like these, you know, imperialism, anti-colonialism things. And like with the Mayan heritage that I thought was phenomenal. Like I'm like, oh, this makes sense. Oh, he has his own history. It's not just that like he's from Atlantis, like he has his own people. He, you know, he's gone through his own struggles with his mother yeah. and his, you know, parents and things like that. I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was cool. Yeah, he didn't bring up his mom's name was Martha or anything stupid like that. Um, never will not take a shot at BBS. What can I tell you? Ninochka, uh, I don't know. Were you familiar with Namor? Would you, I mean, like, did you think this character is ever going to show up if, if you did? I honestly had no idea who this character was before this movie. Okay, so pivoting, when they told you he's basically a merman, he's kind of like Aquaman. What did you think? Were you like, oh, okay? I was a little confused just because I wasn't entirely sure how it was going to fit in with the whole Wakanda Marvel type thing. Like, I obviously thought it was cool. Like, it was interesting. Like, oh, he lives underwater. He has wings. His people are blue, which also kind of threw me off because I was like, Avatar, question mark. But um, coming out the same year, same company, you know. Yeah. yeah. So it definitely was intriguing because it looked really interesting and it sounded really interesting. But I was very confused as to how they would introduce him and how it would tie into like Wakanda and everything else. But I ended up loving it. I, you know, I agree because I was kind of like, I always knew Namor as like this guy who was like, he was a hero. He was an Avenger. He was a, he was a good guy. And now they're putting him not as a villain, but as an antagonist, he is an antagonist to Wakanda, but my favorite type of antagonist, much like my favorite type of wrestling heels are the ones who make a point and you kind of agree with it. Um, but the heels in wrestling always end up being a piece of shit anyway. So, but the, that's so I want to know where do you rank? Like we've seen villains, we've seen antagonists before. Where do you guys rank Namor amongst them? Because I gotta say, for me, my my favorite not you know antagonist villain was Baron Zemo. Love Baron Zemo. And listen, anytime you can get a guy, you can get Daniel Brühl dancing in, in anything is a win for all of us in mankind. Um, but I you know I put him up there right behind. Uh, Zemo, who's one of my favorites, because I feel you gave him. He was um, fully fleshed out character, which you can't always say about Marvel antagonists. You cannot say, tell me that as much as I love Guardians of the Galaxy, Ronan the Usurper was not a very good fleshed out villain. There were, you know, got, let's not even talk about Malekith from Dark World. Like they're antagonists and villains who are just hot garbage. But to me, Namor felt justified in everything he did and i think heightened our climax here of who's right and who's wrong so marjani where do you rank namor amongst the villains and antagonists in the mcu oh man putting me on the spot that's well this is what i pay all the no dollars for that's uh <laughs> oh boy that's I'm, I'm trying to think of all the antagonists i mean of course we have thanos like he feels like he's the ultimate antagonist. Like, 
this guy yes. did put the Infinity Gauntlet together and snap all half of life off, like and defeat uh, the Avengers. Um, you could also make a a play for Killmonger in the same universe. Um, he's up there. They uh, like Namor is up there. Uh, I, I feel bad for Ultron because he could have been one of the greats, but it's just I mean, like, I mean, yeah, oh, let's, I, let, let, I'm just saying, Ultron kind of sucks. Yeah, it, it just, but the, but like Marvel fell into this trap of like just running through like villains so much, and of course I'm looking forward to my boy Kang coming up because I thought you were going to say, say the leader. You were looking forward to the leader. And I'm like, no one's <laughs> well, looking forward to the leader. Well, allegedly he's coming back, but like no, he is. Kang, well, well, Kang, because you think you think uh, Thanos is bad. Wait until you see Kang. Um, yeah, he's up there for me because um, of course he has this like, you know, Marvel has hit this like nice little like flow with making villains with kind of relatable places to where like you know but they're ultimately wrong i mean you know trying to kill a teenager over a, a machine is not great and then trying to commit genocide against people is also not great no, but you're right not his best look. Yeah, not the not. best foot forward yeah but you know the way that like he has pride for you know protecting his people from uh you know centuries of enslavement and you know things getting the you know his land getting destroyed and things of that nature like where the uh him and wakanda have that bond that's relatable like yeah. you know like um it's kind of like the same thing with killmonger where like wakanda walled itself off but like you know like african-americans who were in that world like we need your help and you just guys kind of forgot about us so like in that way like i do think especially with his power set and how formidable he was and just you know from acting standpoint i think he's one of, i think he's up there oh acting wise 100 percent. they i marvel's casting they should just ensure they just they cannot pay the casting director of marvel all they have to pay her all the money because she is just just home run after home run. Ninochka, your thoughts on where uh, our, our boy Namor ranks among the antagonists, and give us your thoughts on Tanaka Huerta's uh, performance because this is he's not exactly a storied actor. He had a role on Narcos. He's done, so I believe, some stuff in Mexico, and that's about it. Like not not even that much. Yeah, no, he Namor is definitely up there for me because obviously, as mentioned, like you have Thanos, which is like ultimate. You have like his little henchman, you know, you have Loki, Ronan, you know, but with Namor, you hear his origin story and like the process that his mind goes through when he thinks about certain things and you understand why, you know, you understand the need he has to protect his people and when they feel threatened and like they've lived undetected for so long that when things like this happen, I get the sense of urgency and be like, Oh my God, I have to protect my people, etc." But at the same time, you also have these moments where you think something's going to shift. Like that moment when he was showing Shuri around and they were talking like beautiful scene. It yeah. was insane. Like it was amazing. You think something's going to shift there, but it doesn't. And it's just the way he 
went through the entire film with that same clear mindset, I feel like is very respectable as a leader, you know, and as someone who's trying to protect their people. And as for the performance, I mean, it was amazing. I loved him. I've never seen him in anything else. Like I've never watched Narcos or anything. And I watched an interview he did. He didn't even know how to swim before this movie. And he said, yeah, he didn't know how to swim before this movie. He said it in an interview. He had to go special swimming class. I'm like, are you kidding? Like the way he just felt so perfect for this role. It was, it was incredible. I really enjoyed his performance. No, I want want you to go and get some tinfoil because I want to wrap it around your head. And I want the tinfoil hat theory and where you're, where you think Namor will project in the MCU going forward, where do we see Namor popping up again? I asked the hard questions. I know that's <laughs> difficult. Well, like obviously at the end of the film, you see Wakanda and Namor, you know, becoming allies. You know, him and Shuri. So I definitely think he's not done. No, like there's definitely no way he's not going to reappear. The question as to where and when is just so difficult to think about. <sighs> that That's a good question. I mean... That's why I run the site. <laughs> I know. I've only done three podcasts on this, so I already have answers. Um, I'll let you think. If it comes back to it, i come back to you on that. Uh, Rajani, do you got anything, or do you want me just to throw a couple out there? I think we're going to see Wakanda and Pelican and Namor very soon. Already, um, I, I think that it's going to be a basis that the thunder thunderbolts is going to be built around. Yep. Yeah, and I think that maybe, perhaps, Captain America: New, new World new, Order. New, new World Order. Yeah, the NWO, baby. There yeah, I think back. that I think that that's going to be the basis because you know Valentina is in it. And they're obviously looking for vibranium. And I was thinking because Thunderbolt Ross is allegedly Harrison Ford. You know, she's very excited. She's like, it's all coming together. Here we go. Harrison Harrison Ford. And if you, I mean. Renowned character actor. Very, very independent. You might have seen him in a couple of things. (laughs) Almost 90, by the way. (laughs) So you got to think that like Valentina is going to have to put a team together to go into Wakanda or to go into Talokan to get Vibranium if, you know, if they don't uh, seek Adamantium and get it out. So, like, I think that, like, you are going to see, you're going to see them back very soon. Um, I think it's going to, yeah, it's definitely going to be the basis of, I'm not saying secret wars, because I think that's more scrolls territories and things. Yeah, like that. there's, there's a lot of, so, you know me, Marjani, and I'm always like, especially when I DM'd you about 16 wrestling things today, I'm just like, here's the grand plan, and none of it's going to happen. But, except maybe the one thing. But I look at it like, I do think Wakanda and Talokan do come together because of America, you know, of, of outside Western influences. Um, But I do think they're going to, so I agree with New New World Order. I also believe in Thunderbolts, but I do think they're going to be in our final two Avengers films because if we're going to Battleworld, you cannot do that without Namor and Black Panther, both in there. And 
I think you have to have him involved. I think maybe he wasn't written into it originally, but after this movie, I think he's undeniable that he has to be in because remember he was like, they'll come, you know, because what's going to make him fight. They're coming for our people. And that's how you get him on the side of the Avengers of just like, Hey, um, so like Kang sucks and he's going to take over the ocean too. So you probably should help us fight. And he'll be like, cool. I'll, let me just regrow my ankle wing and I'll be fine. And I think that's where we see him. I don't think we're going to see him on any TV shows though. I don't think so, but the whole MCU too is very odd because we now have gods and monsters and um, eternal, maybe eternals uh, and like people in space and Avengers and street level people. It's, it's, it's wild. And I'm here for the ride. Um, now let's uh, one character I didn't put in. I forgot in the notes for, before the show was we're introduced to Ironheart, Riri Williams. She is the genius behind the vibranium detector that pretty much kicks this whole, uh, the whole action part of this uh, film into high gear. Um, of course, Riri Williams will be in her own show, Ironheart on Disney plus premiering um, in fall of 2023. How did you guys feel? Uh, the introduction of Riri Williams and the Ironheart suit went. Uh, Mike and I thought just gave us enough to like make us like her. My one concern was the Ironheart suit. I felt she was way too quick to know how to just become Iron Man already. Like she was taking down those Taligans real good. And I'm just like, I was like, shouldn't she be a little more awkward? Maybe that's nitpicky, but I think a very cool character who's going to do big things in the Marvel world coming up. Um, so Nanoshka, I'll start with you. Your thoughts on Ironheart? I thought she was fun. I mean, as a college student, I related to her in some ways and like those jokes. She you threatened like, people with a heater before. Obviously. Yes, yes, definitely. But those jokes she played in the beginning like I have class you know and I just thought it was really funny and really lighthearted because you do get those certain people in college who already know what they want and they're just kind of they're going through the motions so I thought that was really relatable but as you mentioned like I thought the whole iron heart part was really quick like I feel like they kind of just like rush past it kind of and not really acknowledge it like all of a sudden she's in a warehouse with this makeshift shoot suit and then the next time she's in a suit, she's like full blown Ironheart, bam, bam, bam. And it's just like, what did I miss? You know, I feel like there definitely could have been a little more elaboration or just like a little more focus in that. Yeah, no, I, I agree, too, because we go from she's as, as essentially like made this like she goes from Iron Man one in the cave to the um, Infinity War. Iron Man suit, like yeah. within the span of a movie. No, I totally. I mean, she did end up in Wakanda, so I mean, there is that. But Marjani, your thoughts on the debut of Riri Williams, aka Ironheart? So I want to make it known that I am very excited for the Ironheart show um, because I I really like the character Riri Williams and Dominic Dorn. I thought was played terrific as a foil. Uh, Shuri, Shuri uh, especially you know the younger, more Americanized version of Shuri, like as like yes. a link sister, I, I felt, um, and especially because Shuri needed that because she's going through grief, and then like she has 
you know, much like she played off T'Challa with scientific things, she kind of does that with Riri a little bit. It was cool. Uh, I agree with Anoshka because there are some points in this film where obviously it has to deal with the loss of T'Challa and where Wakanda goes forward. Right. But there's also this MCU machine where like they're like, okay, we have to allude to the next project here. Like, so it, it you know, the chase sequence that that happens on like the bridge and everything like that. I agree that it felt a little bit more like whiplash because they go to Riri's like big garage and then she's like, oh man, like, and she has to like, she's ripping down her like schematics and everything like that. And like, um, you know, I, I don't think that you even learn a, that car is from her dad. Until no, you really don't. The end of like the end of the film. Yeah, so like, end. yeah. So, you know, she's essential because she's i guess that like her character is the MacGuffin, right like she's the point that brings talican and wakanda together because uh namor is like uh we gotta get rid of the girl we gotta kill the girl which i'm like oh wow okay like <laughs> yeah she, she made one like, person's death is really gonna stop it yeah it's like she made you know she's just a genius so like she just made like the Wakanda detector and it just got into the wrong hands, which happens to be of, of the government. And like, you know, kind of the Wakandans are like, what? Like you are willing to sacrifice like a teen and like a college student over this, which is cool. Like I obviously like am looking forward to her, but like, I also think that like, you know, like I said, like it, her inclusion shows the push and pull in this movie that like sometimes gets felt where like, all right, we want to be in this moment because we have to be in this moment. We have to honor this moment. But also, hey, over here, like we got other projects coming up, like Valentina's here and things of that nature. So, yeah, that's the one thing uh, people have mentioned this to me. And I'll get to but you mentioned Valentina. You someone said you could have. It might have actually been Alex on Bill versus the MCU said you could have cut everything with Valentina out and you would have suffered nothing for this movie. But you know, you're shaking your head in agreement. Tell me why, why do you think we didn't even need Val in this movie? I, Outside of the hilarious cameo of, of I shit, I forgot Julie Louis Dreyfus is in the MCU. Yeah. Like I, I understand like some of the comedic relief she brought, you know, with Everett and all that, but I feel like for the storyline, nothing she did or was involved with really added anything to it like it was just like yeah. kind of there like sidelined and you don't really like understand why she's there until obviously like the end she's spying on Everett he gets arrested yada 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 but even that I feel like the banter between Valentina and Everett I feel like was just like fillers and like what was mentioned just like droppings of future projects and like oh hey here's this character you should familiarize yourself with her because she's going to show up more but i honestly think that if she wasn't in the movie it wouldn't have changed anything at all really literally all those scenes felt like deleted scenes yeah they felt like yeah they felt like just fun tidbits that were just there you know yeah um some of that would have worked, I feel, if we had had a traditional MCU and uh, like post-credit sequence. 
but we will get to that shortly. Um, yeah, I feel like you could have replaced all the stuff with Valentina and Everett and given us more Riri Williams just to, gra- to ground her a little bit, seeing her working more on the iron heart suit. Maybe there was something that went wrong during the chase that she's always been trying to figure out and like, boom, there's the light bulb. Ah, that's how I, aha, this is how I fix this. And now that sets something forward for Ironheart. But I think, you know, if that's the worst quibble we have with this movie, that's not too bad. Um, Let's get into our title character, Black Panther. Letitia Wright as Shuri takes over as Black Panther. The big question was, who was going to be Black Panther? And Shuri was not my pick because my pick was Nakia. I was like, oh, Nakia, I figured like they're going to do something where they were secretly married. She's the queen. She's going to be Black Panther. Well, Shuri will remain a will be a big she'll be like or maybe like Shuri will be queen, but she'll still be like Shuri. And then like Nakia, who's never wanted to have the power, will be Black Panther and she'll do what she's always done and go around the world, you know, doing good. Guys, was was Shuri your slam dunk pick as Black Panther? And was I just the only ding dong who thought it was going to be Nakia? Um, or Johnny? I got to agree with you as like parts of the movie went on. I'm like, oh, Nakia could have been Black Panther. I thought like, they were also like, hinting, at, like, they were hinting at Okoye too, I feel. Okoye had that storyline where it was like kind of like a redemption arc where she, you know, she fought like the powerful like Talokan and lost. I was going to say Akuma, but that's a character from like a (laughs) a Street Fighter, I think. So and lost. But you also had you also have the Midnight Angels thing that's going on. So like she couldn't. But if you look at well, first off, Shuri is Black Panther in the comics. So yes, I was like, yes. so as soon as I like saw that in the trailer, I'm like, oh, that's that's Shuri. You know what I mean? It's gonna be Shuri. And I think with her being with her being Black Panther, it's essential to her storyline because of this. Right. Because one, she has this inner battle between science and and tradition, right? Right. Baku tries to like talk to her. I was like, you have Baku. to honor, yeah, you know, like after. You know, Queen Ramona dies. Like you have to, like you have to honor tradition. Like you have to honor your grief. Yeah. She kind of like puts it puts it aside, and then when she you know makes the herb, and then goes to see who she sees, that mm-hmm. continues the whole storyline with vengeance and how well it, it does. Like, does it is. It honorable just to be vengeance and to burn everything down because that's who the mystery person is like, yeah, like you wanted to see me because this is what you wanted. So she had to kind of go through that growth and kind of like lay that to rest. So I understood it. The key thing I I do agree with you. I'm like, she could have been, you know, black I don't understand. Not all right. Uh Nunoshka, what did you think? Uh, was sure your pick as Black Panther? Yeah, I, once <laughs> once um they announced Wakanda Forever and like started teasing, I talked to my dad about it, and it seemed like Shuri was the only like real possible answer. Like I understood where people were coming from with Okoye and Nakia, but personally, I feel like Okoye has such a deep love for her job, 
for protecting the royal family and fighting alongside Black Panther that I feel like it would have had taken something really big for her to be willing to take the herb and become Black Panther. And for Nakia, I feel like there needed to be a little more there because she didn't fight in Endgame, which is mentioned in the movie. And she kind of like disappears slowly from the Wakanda world that again, I feel like it had to be something super drastic for her to be like, yeah. So Shuri for me was the go-to and obviously she's the sister and it just seemed like the right fit in my mind. So it was definitely Shuri for me. And as Murjani mentioned, like it just fit her storyline very well within the film and like her seeing who she saw. Let's get in. Let's get into. So she goes to the ancestral plane. We see the throne and we see someone sitting at the throne. And I sure as shit did not think that we would see. Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger back in back in the Black Panther universe. Like very audibly gas. Tell me about that. Tell me about your let's go through this scene. Like, how did this change? Like when you saw Shuri not condemn fully what Killmonger was saying? Like, how did you talk about go through your emotions during that whole scene for me? Well. First of all, I was just interested to see her reaction entering the plane because she doesn't believe in tradition. Mm -hmm. You know, like she doesn't believe any of that exists. So just the anticipation of seeing how she'll react, especially with all this pent up grief and anger and and stuff. I was just interested to see her reaction. But then when you see the throne, I was kind of, I was definitely not expecting Michael B. Jordan. Like a part of me was like, okay, the queen would kind of make sense. But yet again, I was like, that doesn't seem right. And I'm like, how, if they did, could they bring Chadwick Boseman for a minute? But like, it would, I honestly could not tell you a name as to who I thought was going to be sitting on the throne, but I sure as hell knew it was not going to be Killmonger. And when it was Michael (laughs) B. Jordan, I audibly gasped one because I love Michael B. Jordan, but also so Naturally. I was like, what is happening? If I had, and if I had, if I had a fan, if I had, if I could get the vapors, I would have gotten them. Cause I was, that was a, that was a jaw dropping moment for sure. No, it was. And it was just like, what is happening? And then when they were having this interaction, he's like, you wanted to see me like you, you and I are more alike than you think. I was like, holy shit. There it is. We got her to swear. All right. Yeah. She's she's on the team, guys. She's on the team. I didn't know if I could curse it off, but I'm like, I know my dad's definitely going to listen to this later. Anyway, the old crusty man swears all the time. But I was, it was, it made during the interaction and like when he was like, you and I are a lot, have a lot more in common than you think. It like hit me. I was like, she tried to create this herb in a frenzy of like everyone's like on top of me for answers because my brother's dead the queen's dead I'm like what am I now because she's she's the last royal left and then you have Okoya who's no longer a general you have Nakia who's just there and it's just like she has so much on top of her that when she takes the herb also not believing in tradition you're like how is this going to unravel in her mind for her and I think Killmonger was the perfect representation of what 
she was going through and him being like, dude, you want this. You're just too scared to admit it to yourself because you think it's the wrong thing. It's kind of like that uh, saying from Point Break, and I'll make Majani laugh when I say, um, some people live to get radical and others, and they fail to see the spiritual side of things. And it's kind of what she did. She was like, okay, I need to take the super soldier serum, essentially, and I need this for my vengeance. I need this to get radical and to be able to defeat Namor. I need to be able to destroy Namor. And I can't do that through science. And she didn't get the spiritual side of what become ingesting that herb that sacrament was it was all about the vengeance and that's why she sees killmonger and it's not until later when the spiritual side kind of starts the revelation starts to happen she sees her mom and her mom tells him tell them who show them who you are and I thought that was very cool so for Johnny I, I always find a way to get point break in there somehow so um Michael B Jordan you know, you know, busy being a leading man, directing Creed three, starring in Creed three. Uh, everyone saw the trailer before Wakanda forever. Was he even remotely on your list of people who would have shown up in that ancestral plane? Well, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I did hear that rumor. <laughs> like, wow. I, I did. I, I did hear. I didn't believe it, but I, I did hear the rumor. That well, there Killmonger was that rumor, too, that they're like, well, it could be uh, Killmonger is going to be. Yeah, yeah, it could Panther. be like Killmonger, like being Black Panther. And I'm like, uh, OK, he's dead. But kind of like, <laughs> well, this isn't Marvel. I understand Zombies that we're guys. in the multiverse saga, but like, come on. Like, I know he was a big part of what if and whatever, but. Which isn't I mean, really even canon, sort of. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of canon. It kind of isn't. Like, it's it's weird. If you, Who's you know, to say? Yeah, but uh, when I saw him, I was like, oh, and then I remember like, okay, well, he's he's a Black Panther too, like he said. And I'm like, okay, well, that would make That's sense. That's true. Yeah, but that would make sense why he would come through. And then like, I thought about it and like in the words that he was saying is like, it manifests in, in Shuri when she's talking, she's addressing the council and M'Baku about like, nah, man, I want vengeance. Like, this dude just killed my mother and then like, no, like kill my mother and, you know, other Wakandians and like, no, I want vengeance. Like you have to rule. And she, she starts agreeing with him on how to rule. But like, I'm like, okay, you have to think about how he ruled. Like the reason that you have to make a synthetic herb right now is because he burnt all of them down. Yep. He's selfish. He was about to like, send a fleet of Wakanda and uh, Wakanda technology to destroy everybody. Like he was Which so someone pointed out, by the way, that where he was sending them were all the sanctums. Yeah. They're all the three sanctums. So that's pretty wild. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's an alternate timeline I'd love to see. Um, but when we go from there, Letitia Wright, and then it, from that moment, this is her movie. Angela Bassett's not there anymore. Everyone else is Riri's kind of put to the side. Everyone, even Okoye, everyone's kind of put in the back seat. And this is now Letitia Wright's film. How do you, Marjani, I'll start with you. How do you feel her her journey from that moment till the end where she yells Wakanda forever with her fist in the air? Tell me how you think Letitia Wright's performance was about carrying this not only just this movie as Shuri, but she's carrying this now, this franchise that Chadwick 
was a pillar of and now going to be a huge pillar of the MCU. I would talk about your thoughts on that performance. I mean, I, I just wanted to think that, like, that's a tough burden to carry. Like, you have it's to, like... Wildly tough. Not only are you taking the baton from a beloved actor, you're taking a baton from an actor that passes away in a tragic sense even before, like, we see, like, you know what I mean? We only saw the promise of Chadwick Boseman. We didn't, like, we, there were, there was more for him to do. So, in that way, like, Letitia Wright had a monumental task to, like, take that. I think that she did a good job. I think that she emoted well, especially, you know, like, um, especially playing off, you know, Shuri playing off Riri, Riri's character. Uh, there was that scene where uh, her and Okoye go, like, see, like, uh, Riri for the first time. And then, like, her, them, blame, you know, playing off each other and, like, her actually smiling. But, you know, essentially, like, this is a movie about how she's moving through multiple losses. The, the Queen Ramonda loss caught me off guard. I was yeah. like, I was like, damn. Like, Essentially killed by water balloons. Yes. Yeah. Like, I'm like, what, like, hasn't Shuri like lost enough? Like, she lost her brother. Now she lost her mother and her father. They were all like it's it's essentially it's essentially the parallel to um to Wanda in a lot of ways. Yeah, like it's like two by assassination and one by illness. And the fact that the illness one probably hurts her the most because She's a scientist and could not cure her brother from dying. Yeah. Like the reason why she, you know, rejects tradition is because like she believes in science. She believes in what she sees. She creates all these things, but like it's still a war with inside her because it's like one of the one of the main people that I love in this world. I couldn't save, I couldn't make the formula in time. It was only 29%. And I think it was kind of neat that, you know, she got that thing from Talikin and then like made the formula too. But I think that Letitia Wright did the best that she could. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think that really with the circumstances. Um, so, I'm, so my thoughts here are the perfect actor to do this because in the first film, she projects as the young, smart ass sister. And now she is forced unwilling forced to become everything to become queen or a leader at least and to become black panther become the savior of her people and this is someone who has to she projects this so young even though she's not like young young but she's like and we see her go on this hyper hyper driven growth that she has to do and we actually see her kind of become the, she becomes the antagonist of this film. She's wrong. And to see her and then see her fight and to see her come get through all of that. It was really great to see. Cause we've seen all the great Marvel characters do that where they lose that moment. Peter Parker, let that guy die because uncle Ben We'll let that guy go because he got screwed. And then Uncle Ben dies. We see Peter Parker freak out at other points, too, in comics and in movies. We've seen every one of our Marvel characters act out as a human being would poorly to trauma. And it costs people their lives. 
No Way Home when he trusts the villains. Yeah, I mean, Peter's a he's a sweet kid. You know, he he, he means well, but it's like just the parts where he wants, like where he was going to kill Green Goblin. Remember, he's ready to kill Green Goblin, and every they're all ready to just let you know, just to just to to burn the world, right? And then they have the moment, and she fit that new Marvel. That knew the young people and the new people who were gone through the trauma, and this is how you get out of it. And I felt it paralleled, like you said, everything we've been through in the past few years and had to get through and are still fighting through. And how sometimes when we fight through stuff, we don't always have the best reactions and we don't always do the best things. And that felt one thing about Black Panther, this movie, her performance felt like such an every person performance. Like if we all had super suits and uh, could do that, maybe we'd react the same way. Dinoshka, your thoughts? No, I mean, you have Shuri, who's someone who never thought she'd be put in this position. I mean, she relied on her brother. You know, her brother was king. That was his role. She was his little sister in her lab, the scientist, you know, alongside him. She never thought she would have to have the same responsibilities as him and then he dies and she couldn't do anything to save him and that was like the first hit and then the queen dies and now she has no one she could lean on like she says when at her funeral i just buried the last person who really knew me and that hit so hard because like now she like everything just fell on her shoulders so fast like leading a country. She's still the scientist. She still is in charge of all that. And she's not going to let that go. But also the fact that she doesn't believe in tradition, I think added so much to her pain because I feel like everyone else learned how to grieve in a different way. And they're like, they're still with us, et cetera, et cetera. But Shuri was just like, they're gone. They're dead. Nothing you can do or say or burn is going to change that. And I think that just on top of everything and on top that she's still young. And again, she didn't expect to be put in such a high position so fast in her life. I feel like the acting just went perfectly. And obviously her and Chadwick in real life seem to have such a close bond that it couldn't have been easy for her to put on that suit or even think about putting on that suit. So I, I, yeah, I think she did the best she could and, did amazing with it let's skip ahead to that final scene so obviously we know about the treaty between or alliance let's just say between talakan and wakanda and it seems that mumbaku might be the king of wakanda because he's he's challenging and no one's she's challenging for power and no one's there because shuri's in haiti and she's going to meet with nakia and we uh, we see she's introduced to her nephew, King T'Challa, or T'Challa, and uh, aka Toussaint. So let's just talk about that final uh, tear jerker of a scene uh, where we ended up seeing young T'Challa. So Murjani, you started off just your thoughts on this, just that beautiful end credit sequence. First of all, I want to uh, shout out to Ryan Coogler and co uh, making the decision not to allude to another Marvel. Yeah, property. very much like there was like a, a wild rumor that we were going to see Dr. Doom, Dr. Doom 
And I was like, not for this movie, man. Like, yeah, for those know? for those who don't know, the Lake Bell character, this is what Alex from our, my podcast told me. It was like Lake Bell's character was supposed to be her, she was supposed to be working for Doctor Doom. Yeah, like well, Latavia. Yeah. Latvia. So, uh, that La, yeah, Latvia. Like, yeah, which was you're thinking of Lata- you're thinking of Latavius Murray, the running back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is kind of weird because like that's another weird thing of like, oh, her character was doing this, and like Oh, she's gone now. You know, <laughs> so it's kind of like an outlier that like ropes into Valentina. Yeah, I thought this was especially like going off the end scene where, you know, Shuri does the ceremony in Haiti by herself, and then you see all these like memories flash of her and T'Challa, and then just like the sunlight and that framing scene of her tearing up. Oh, I was like, yeah. Oh. And then, like, her meeting, you know, Nakia bringing out like young T'Challa. I'm like, oh man, okay, this is how they're going to do it. How beautiful. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It, you know, eventually that, you know, the fact that she said that, like, he knew, yeah. like, T'Challa knew, and the fact that they wanted to give him a, you know, a regular upbringing before he, comes into the kingdom and be you know eventually becomes king t'challa i thought that was beautifully well done and like i said kudos to marvel for not saying like on the next episode of the mcu like yeah. we just need we just need that to breathe for the end of phase four just right there we'll, yeah. we'll go to ant-man you know but like oh we uh, will i will go to the quantum realm i for me the the rihanna song i'm not a big rihanna fan myself uh, not not just she's bad. It's just like you're not going to find her amongst my weird '80s metal and jam bands Spotify playlists and random ska songs. It's um, it was beautiful and it made it felt like Ryan Coogler felt like he had a handheld camera and filmed this whole thing. It felt like something from his independent days. It didn't even feel like a big budget Marvel film, and it didn't need to be. It was a beautiful, intimate moment, and that's what it captured. Uh, Ninoshka, um, we're going to end this off with you. Um, your thoughts on just that that um end credit mid end credit sequence i also audibly gasped during there was a lot of audibly gasping and tearing up and you know lots of emotions but i don't remember if it was in the like the end of the first one but my dad and i had a conversation at the end of the first one where we were kind of being like there's something between nakia and t'challa that's not being talked about and whether that was marriage or a child or whatever it was there was something there that was like "Mm, you're hiding something from us there was a rom-com in there we never yeah there there was something in there and so when she came up you know you see shuri like crying on the beach also shout out for them filming most of these scenes in puerto rico i just have to mention that but you see shuri crying and then you just see like the silhouettes of nakia holding a child's hand and you're like wait because you know it's coming but you're not ready for it and then you know, she's like, you know who called it my eight-year my seven-year-old called it she's like i bet you that's black panther's kid and no, i'm just like mm-hmm. I, i'm just like i knew the answer already because i see every movie before her yeah, so i yeah. answers so i'm like you don't know that and no she, but then she like, punches me she's like told you and i'm like all right no i was like wait that is who i think it is and if it is i might start crying again and then she's like yeah this is my son and i was like oh my god because i feel like 
Shuri went through so much during that yeah. movie that I feel like her meeting him and finding out that his Wakandan name is also T'Challa just made her whatever span of time this all took place in you know like I feel like that just made her feel so much better and just I feel like that was the one thing that was like okay maybe tradition isn't something to always laugh about and the fact that T'Challa knew the queen knew I think I think that was just a beautiful way to end it on a positive note because so much happened during that movie but also on a more interesting note I feel like that sets up interesting questions for the future because you never know like he might grow up he might go back and as you said apparently Mbaku is like challenging to be king and I feel like because no one knew T'Challa's child existed that that could cause some interesting problems in the Wakanda world now but I I really think it was a great way to end that film and just also explain Nakia's disappearance for so long and the fact that they did just want their kid to grow up in a space where he's not pressured or anticipated to become the next great king or the next great panzer. I thought it was beautiful. And we end phase four on a a note of hope, which is not something which we kind of get at the end of every movie in this phase. It was like, yeah, maybe something's going to happen here. Not everyone. Trust me. We also located that did not end positively. Uh, but yeah, we're ending on a phase of hope. And that's what we're going to end this podcast on, a note of hope. Uh, Ninoshka, your debut, you did great. So we'd love to have you back talking Thank all you. things Marvel. Um, and if you want to come back, we understand sometimes of I can course. be a little weird. But no, let's fun. get into let's get into our pop culture recommendations as well as our sh- social media plugs. So Nanoshka, guest of honor, uh, tell us where people can find you on social media and, uh, you know, what you got going on over on Pop Break. Um, so all my social media, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. Oh, TikTok. Um, you, are, you are a college kid. Yeah, it's all <laughs> at it's Nanoshka, N-Y-N-O-S-H-K-A. And my next on Pop Break, I'm hoping to write for Florence Pugh's new Netflix movie, The Wonder. I'm I'm excited to see it. Excited to worry about it. Hopefully it's good. Really? Yeah, it's it's everything. Yeah, I think I think you'll you'll enjoy it. I love her, so I'm I'm really excited. Thank you so again. Thank you so much for being here. We love at you know to be in all honesty, not kissing your ass because you're on the podcast. Um, like I said, love having Rutgers kids on the site, and you are a kid because you're still in your teens. So I could say that, but um, you're doing great. We love having you, and great things for you coming in the future. I guarantee it. Um, Merjani, you only have 7,000 things happening in your life right now. Tell us all about it. Tell us how you're going to be headlining Wrestle King Night, Kingdom Night 2. Uh, tell us all. No, I mean, someone's got to draw. Uh, let's see. what. Where can people find you online? What you got going on? Jeez. Uh, it, it seems like the main place that you can find me online is dying soon. Um, <laughs> I know. So, uh, where, where are we going to talk about wrestling? We can't DM each other anymore. So uh, you could find me at Twitter for the time being, uh, Instagram. Uh, I, I'm barely on Facebook. Maybe I'll make a Mastodon or something. At, yeah, I'm thinking that too. It's uh, pretty M U R J A N I R A W L S. My name is Johnny Rawls. 
pop, I'm, I'm going to give a couple uh, pop recommendations. Well, one, go see the menu. Oh, that's so good. Uh, dark horror comedy with Anya Taylor-Joy, Joseph Fiennes, good commentary about uh, obnoxious foodies and also kind of obnoxious chefs, which is fun. Um, go see, I, I would also say if it is out near you, go see the Fablemans. Oh, Steven wow. Spielberg's, yeah. uh, Steven Spielberg's film about like loosely audio autobiographical <laughs> stuff about his life, about his parents and things of that nature. It's, it's a beautiful film. It's also about kind of like this push of like art and family and how sometimes the creativity and love and family doesn't mix sometimes and it's yeah it's great uh yeah (laughs) projects probably a million of them you'll you'll see me pop up on pop break again maybe like i said like i said brother it, we're like the Olive Garden when you're here, your family and we got great breadsticks. So you're always wow. you're always, you know, you can always come back. As for me, if you must follow me on Twitter, it's uh, weird stuff about wrestling that Marjani will get. No one else. Uh, and uh, retweets from the So follow me at Bodkin writes W.R.I.T.E.S. The We've been doing this for 13 years. Check us out every single day. We've got tons of great stuff. Um, we're shooting a lot of stuff in LA right now, which is cool. Cat Manos, our photo, our music editor, just shot Foles. She just shot Manic Street Pe- Preachers, London Suede. A lot of cool stuff out in Palladium. Um, we got film, TV, music, pro wrestling, anime, comic books, a whole podcast network on all your favorite platforms. Check them out. We just had Bill versus the MCU drop on the breakcast feed where Alex Marcus and I talk about the uh, final uh, MCU projects of 2022. And I am officially done. I've watched everything within 11 months and I'm back. I took five years off. I'm back. Um, as for writing, uh, I'll be doing something on the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. I'm going to write something about why you should be watching Andor right before the season finale. Um, and then check out Socially Distance every single Friday, all your favorite platforms at the pop break for now on, on Twitter. And always at the pop break on Instagram. So Wakanda Forever was great. Go watch it. Enjoy it over the Thanksgiving holiday. May you and your families have a wonderful, well-fed Thanksgiving Happy holidays to everyone. We'll be back in two weeks.